I know we're running a little long. Um, I just got so interested in what they're doing over there at the Hub. I kept asking questions. Um, so um, if, you'll give me, uh, if you'll give me 20 minutes. Uh, 2 Timothy 2. And I'm just going to kind of give you a look in the, maybe some of my heart as our text today. Um, all month, again, we're going to highlight some different efforts from the Hub, uh, like we did with the planters. We're going to give you an opportunity to thank them and write them some, uh, hopefully, some encouraging notes. Um, so that is, that is all still to come. So hang on to your little card. Let me read 2 Timothy chapter 2, the first few verses. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Pray with me, please. Father, I pray um, that as we've read your word, as we study your word, that it would be like seed planted among fertile soil in our hearts and it would produce change and lead to repentance and lead to a greater understanding of you. I pray, Father, that you would uh, do this for us. Holy Spirit, would you guide as you do? It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Um. Last year, we took a staff retreat about this time, and uh, we were praying as a staff, Lord, what would you have us lead, lead us to do? And um, we had been talking a lot about mission, and the same theme kind of kept coming up, this idea of perseverance in mission. Perseverance in mission. It's easy for life to overwhelm us, is it not? So easy to get distracted by all the noise and busyness of life just in general. So it's normal to get overburdened, And just the heaviness and brokenness of the pain that's all around us. Not to mention the pain of people uh, close to you that that don't act like friends, that betray you, friends who leave you, friends who move, people who are against you. And if you're not careful, if I'm not careful, we might just end up really discouraged or depressed. So I want to talk about perseverance just a little bit tonight, this idea of perseverance and mission. And I do this, and I, I'm here because this has been like, uh, this is my lifeline over the past couple weeks. Um, we, we've never been afraid, I don't guess, of being authentic here, but it's been a hard couple weeks for me, not because of anything happened, you know, maybe just in life you walk into a funk, um, and things have been different for me. Um, I, I, I hate the summertime because my kids are out of school, and I just would so just lay that out there. Uh, they stay up way too late. And they become, uh, I mean, they, uh, as, as Jim Gaffigan said, they're like little terrorists. They are. They just kind of take over. Um, and then, you know, and then they're up at the weird time. My schedule's off. And so I blame the kids and I blame summertime. I'm, the, I'm voting for uh, year-round school. Um, and so normally, and on top of that, I've been sick. I got diagnosed with this weird pneumonia that's supposed to last like six months, and the doctors told me I can't go outside, and I can't do the things that normally like work me out of the funk. Any of you ever get in the funk? Um, and so 
I've just been overwhelmed with maybe uh, some discouragements and things, and I've, I'm, I'm smart enough as I get going into, into this. I shot out some flares to some of my friends and asked them to pray, and I really sought the Lord's face, and we ended up in, in 2 Timothy 2. And I love this verse, uh, these set of verses, because Paul is writing to a very discouraged and overwhelmed Timothy. Um, you can see he's talking about fanning into flame. Timothy um, has but a flicker left. Uh, he is pastoring a really hard church to pastor. He's young. Um, the enemy is, has an all-out assault against him. And Paul is encouraging his heart. And not just uh, Paul to Timothy, but, you know, God desires that we persevere. And that's talked about all through Scripture. For that reason, in James 1, uh, it says that perseverance or steadfastness above all other human traits is the characteristic that God is trying to build into your life. Even now, he is trying to work this idea of perseverance. He says, maybe you're familiar with this passage in James 1, Can it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds? For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, or maybe your translation says perseverance. And let perseverance have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Anything worth having in life takes perseverance. It takes steadfastness. And God is trying to develop that in you and to me. He wants, us, he wants to walk through us through various kinds of trials in order that he may build that into us so that purpose says here in Scripture in James 1 that we may be complete. And here's one thing I found that it's easy to start the race. What happens when you hit the wall? Many people can start. Many people can walk down an aisle and get married, but it takes steadfastness and perseverance to love and serve that person well for the rest of your life. Many people can have children or adopt a child, but to wring yourself out for them and to point them to Jesus week after week for the rest of your life can just be overwhelmingly burdensome. It takes great perseverance. Even the Christian life, many people can walk down an aisle, they can raise a hand, they can say, I'd love to go to heaven one day, but it takes perseverance to walk the Christian life day after day, to really live it, to let the Holy Spirit conform you into the image of Christ, who is the perfect example of this. I mean, just loving and serving all the way to the cross, literally hanging on the cross, asking God to forgive other people. He just, he just wrung himself out in love for others. And that's the call that's placed on our lives. And if we're not careful, the enemy, cunning as he is, hides in places we don't expect them and takes Christians out all the time. Not that we would lose salvation, but that we just get to this place where we're so in our heads or in our thoughts or so tired or so exhausted that we become ineffective and unproductive. to this end that Paul's writing, Timothy. I love he says there at the beginning of chapter 2, verse 1, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. This idea of be strengthened, it's this picture of continual fortification, building it up, making it stronger. 
something you have to actively work on. Your faith is not strengthened by osmosis or the fact that you have a Bible in your car or in your house. Like this takes something where we have to take the truths of God and we have to begin to implement them and obey them in a day-by-day, moment-by-moment basis. We have to seek the face of God. He even says, seek me and you'll find me. Jesus says, come to me and I'll give you rest. It's this action on our part to take the truth of God, not just and let it linger there, but that we would begin to apply it in our life. We have to use it as a tool to fortify our faith so when the storms of unbelief or difficulty or trial or seasons of discouragement or depression come, we can push through them. Then Paul, I know we just have a short time. Paul gives us four pictures here. And these have become dear to my heart. And I go back to this passage again and again and again. It's something my dad and I often talked about. He says in in verse 2, it's the first picture of that of a teacher or disciple maker. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust the faithful men who will be able to entrust or teach others also. This first principle is this idea of sharing what you learn. Sharing what you learn that all of the seed of the gospel and truth of the gospel is not just here for you to hear it and not apply it. It's here for you to hear it and apply it and begin sharing it with others. Did you know that after 24 hours, you only retain 5% of what you hear? That's good news for some of you. Tomorrow at this time, 5% of what, I heard, of what you hear. I found this little graphic, and this is not a Christian graphic. I got this uh, from a college university this is the average retention rate after 24 hours and the modes of which you've learned these things. So if you learn them by lecture, 5%, by reading, 10%, on and on you can go, audiovisual, demonstration, discussion group, practice by doing. Look at the greatest way to actually learn what you've heard is to teach others and immediate, immediately use it as if, as, if, as if Paul knew something when he was inspired by the Holy Spirit and teaching this very same truth to Paul, I mean to Timothy. He's saying, listen, take what you've heard from me. This is the gospel and the presence of many witnesses. You're not the only one that heard this, Timothy. This is true. This is not just in your head. And I want you to take this and entrust it to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. If we're not careful, we get in this spiritual rut where we show up week after week And we ingest everything that's being taught or we read our Bibles and we ingest it, but we look at it as if it's only for us. Lord, what you got for me today? And then this becomes this this hole in our bucket because all of the joy and peace that we've got is meant to work as we pass it to other people. We become a clogged pipe and we we wonder what's wrong. I think if anything, even through this, You know, secular study, this picture of discipleship, this teacher principle of sharing what you learn points us to not just learn it, but look for ways to share it. So as you even, and I would encourage you to jot some notes down as we talk or maybe a phrase down that sticks out with you when you're reading God's word that you would journal those things and you would take that truth and share them with someone. That you would go at at, at lunch at work or uh, with your spouse or even even with your kids that you would begin to share these things. I told you I I hate summer because it throws everything off. So our devotional time as as, uh, like a family is like down the drain. Like I don't even want to talk about it. It's been like a month, maybe more than that. It may have been three months. I don't know. It's just not good, okay? So no no judgment. 
So we're sitting at dinner the other night, and Ellie says, hey, Dad, remember that thing you used to do? <laughs> where you share what God is teaching you in the book of Psalms? And I was like, crap, you know, like, ah, yes, I remember. And she said, can you do that now? So I opened open to what God was teaching me, and it was such a uh, reminder in my own heart um, that my kids look forward to this and they expect this. And just because I'm in a funk doesn't mean that I can just shut the whole thing down. Um, and we began to talk, and I just, you ever feel like the peace of God just like indwell a room? Just as this, you know. And even Hudson was quiet for a few moments. You're like, this has got to be God. Like, all, literally... <laughs> It, you know, all three. It's like what you, you expect devotion to be like, and it's never that. It was that for like three minutes. Um, James warns us not to merely listen to the word, but do what it says. Maybe you just ask God, God, what have you taught me? What are you teaching me that I should be sharing with others? What is that? What, are, what, what kind of conversation with my wife? You know, I find out some of the greatest things that God teaches me. The last one to know is Ashley. I don't know why that is. I don't know if it's, you know, that I'm, I'm a pastor and I'm her husband. And um, sometimes it's hardest for me to share those things. Maybe God would be leading you to have those kind of conversations. Let's go on to the second picture. Is that of a soldier? It says in verse 3, sharing and suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. The first picture was that of a teacher. This is of a soldier. Really two principles here. One is to expect uh, opposition. Certainly it's why a soldier even exists. And he says, share in suffering as a good soldier. Sometimes we find ourselves in a pity party that leads to ongoing discouragement. It feeds itself because of unrealistic expectations. I kind of have this faulty notion. I don't know really where it came from. I guess it's the American dream that if I work hard enough and I give enough and I'm kind enough that eventually I'm going to reach this plateau where things are easy and I'm just not going to have the opposition. I'm going to beat it and I'm just going to be this like, you know, this, this breezy life from there on out. But certainly scripture doesn't paint that picture. Certainly Jesus didn't say that. If anything, in John 16, he said, hey, uh, I've said these things to you that you may have peace in the world. You will have tribulation, but take heart. What did he say? I've overcome the world. James says, the scripture a minute ago, that as we walk through various kinds of trials, and all of us collectively are walking through those in some way, we got a bad phone call from the doctor, we've got the stress of life, our kids are becoming teenagers, right? It's its own, it's its own thing, and, and, and so many others. If there's a way to walk through those times with joy, I love too in this, in this picture of the soldier that Paul says, share in suffering. The NIV, maybe you have that translation, says, join with me in suffering. In other words, this isn't just you, Timothy. Sometimes the enemy works to make us feel as if we're missing out on all the fun other people are having and that life is so unfair. Everyone else's Instagram looks like so glamorous. And if they would only see what I really look like at this very moment... Share with me in suffering. Paul saying, hey, Timothy, listen, this is, a, this, is, this is a hard road. 
Even Jesus says, wide is the path that leads to destruction, but narrow is the way that leads to life. He would tell his followers, who tells them this? Hey, I want you to count the cost before you come and follow me. This is not all butterflies and rainbows. This is what it means to be a Christian is to carry our cross. And we don't carry it alone. I love that Paul says, share with me, Timothy. Kind of adjust our expectations. But the real principle here, I think, is found in the second part. He says, don't get entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. This principle is pretty simple. It's focus on the mission. Focus on the mission. The word entangled there is the word used of sheep that get its wool hung on thorns and and literally can't move. And the more they work against it, the deeper the thorns go into the wool and the more stuck they become. Don't get entangled in civilian pursuits. Civilian pursuits is just day-to-day life, meals cooked and kids to school and bills paid. And these things are not bad. They are necessary. But they themselves, those things are not the point. Those are things we do along the way, but those things are not the point. Paul's not telling Timothy to be irresponsible. He's warning him not to think like those things are the very reason he's here. How many of us spend our life and energy on these things, but forget about the very reason we are here, to point people to God, to point our very own kids to God, to point our neighbors to God? That's why we're here, to glorify God through our lives so that others would see it and they would glorify God because of the good deeds that we do. As a Christian, we see life through a different set of lenses, or at least we should. So maybe your house isn't as clean as you'd like it because you spent the free hour you had on your knees praying for your coworkers. Maybe your kids don't get a hot breakfast every morning because you make sure to spend your morning with the Father. Maybe you don't catch up on social media as much as you would like to because you're prayer walking the neighborhood or engaging someone in conversation. Do you get the point? The point is not all the stuff. And if we're not careful, especially in America, busyness becomes our God. And we wring our lives out in the busyness of things so that we can have a little more or so we can peer a little better or we can make a little bit more money and we can just reach that next edge. And at the end of our life, we look back and we've wrung our lives out for the wrong things. Church, from my heart, can you hear this message that I've been preaching to myself for a couple weeks now? Luke, don't lose sight of the mission. Focus on the mission. Look at the third picture real quickly. Is that of an athlete? Verse 5. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. There's a way that things work, Paul says. God's kingdom often runs the opposite way of the world. You want to get more? God's kingdom says give more. You want to be first? God's kingdom says strive for last. You want to move up in the world? God's kingdom says spend time on your knees. This is so unpopular in our culture to live in such a way. And what Paul is saying here is 
Don't twist the word of God in order just to follow the parts that you're comfortable with or that inspire you or encourage you. Finding excuses to avoid the hard parts. He would go on to say in the next chapter that every word of God is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. 2 Timothy 3.16. Athlete principle. Don't miss the details. Don't skip over God's word. Don't excuse parts of it. It's useful. There's one picture left, really. It's that of the farmer. Verse 6, it's the hardworking farmer who ought to have first share of the crops. What does that mean? It means you've got to take care of yourself. Maybe some of you are like me and we're just feeders and we just give and give and give and give until we wring ourselves out and we run dry. Got to take care of yourself. I met with a counselor this week to kind of talk through some of my own things and I would encourage you to go to a Christ-centered counselor, someone who knows the gospel and can apply it to your life. Now, that's not fun if if you've been there for very long. I was telling him kind of some of the things, recurring things in my own life. We're talking through some things. And he said, a good friend of mine, he said, Luke, you know what I see with most people in ministry or that just serve their church, most Christians maybe in general, is they dry up before they give up. They just dry up. They just haven't fed themselves. They're not abiding with the Father. So if you're in this room and you've reached this point of exhaustion or desperation or discouragement, it's a very good chance that you just dried up, that you're just not nurturing. Divine, as John 15 talks about. We're in real danger of burning out if we don't take care of ourselves, find something that gives us life, connect again to the Father. And as your pastor, I can say that we are so bad at this as a church. We project this image of strength, working late into the hour to minister and love on others without a concern or care for ourselves. Don't we do this? I mean, let's just be honest. This is what we do. And and this is me. This is who I am. I'm a I'm naturally a, a Martha, the Martha and Mary. I'm going to work for God, work for God, work for God. That's what I want to do. I'm going to go work for God. And I'm going to do all the things, and I'm going to love on all the people, and I want to send all the cards and preach all the sermons and serve all the meals. I want to go work for God. Remember what Jesus says even in that story? She has chosen the one thing, the most important thing, to sit at the feet of Jesus. Don't be surprised if you're dried out because you're doing all the work but never sitting at the feet of Jesus. Here's the last thing. I know I'm 21 minutes. I'm going to finish. Verse 7. I love how he wraps this whole thing up. Think over what I say for the Lord will give you understanding and everything. This is the last point is to depend on the Holy Spirit. How do you know when you should keep working, when you should take a break? How do you know when you should say no and when you should say yes? How do, how do you know? Well, you depend on the Holy Spirit and he prompts you. Just go a little further and I'm going to be there. You know, it's time to take a break. Really, it's not a picture, but it's kind of this mantra of life that Paul is telling Timothy to 
depend on the Holy Spirit. Create a culture even of your own life where you listen to the promptings of the Spirit. Let me pray for us. We're going to sing one more song. And just as you're there, would you just ask God to speak to your heart as the word's gone out, as Holy Spirit's working even in you? Ask him what step you need to take. Which, which of those pictures illuminating for you of this, the soldier or the teacher, the farmer or the athlete and the principles that go behind them? Maybe you're in this room, you're not a believer. Just feel like you're on the outside looking in. I, I encourage you to take a step of faith today. Cross this line of faith and join God's family. I'd love to talk to you about that. I'd be hanging around afterwards if you'd like to talk about that. Maybe some of you are just feeling overwhelmed and you just need someone to pray for you. Maybe you'd write that on your connection card. We'll take those up in a little bit. Say, Pastor, would you pray for me? It's just a tough season. God, you know my heart. I desire, like Paul, to run this race to the very end, to pour my life out like a drink offering, as he even says, to not go out by one of the sniper shots of the enemy who's scheming even right now, trying to figure out how he's going to take us out, take us down, dry us up. The Holy Spirit, would you speak to us? Would you bring joy? Psalm 16 says that the fullness of joy is in your presence. The fullness of joy in your presence. Maybe some of us haven't been in your presence a long time. Father, would you give that to us as we seek you? Would you show up in a profound way? Not just today and right now, but tomorrow and the next day. Father, do what only you can do in our lives, and we'll give you thanks for it. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing one last song. I'll be over here if you'd like to pray with me specifically, and we'll be done. What a beautiful name it is. What a beautiful name it is. The name of Jesus Christ, my King. What a beautiful name it is. Nothing compares to this What a beautiful name it is 